Hey, did you know this podcast has a Patreon? At patreon.com slash scaries. you can support the podcast for as little as a dollar and get early access to episodes and join in on community posts with all the other hosts and me. Uh, patreon.com slash scaries. Get out there and do it. Thanks. But yeah, dude, like, I was... Oh, yeah, no, we've all got shorts on. No, no, do you have shorts? Yeah, I could, you could be not wearing anything underneath there. I, can't, I couldn't tell from here. Yeah, there's no way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely wearing <laughs> shorts. The surprise yeah, right. Sunday Scaries. Uh, hey, it's uh, Sunday Scaries. It's a podcast about horror movies where each week we take the edge off by doing a deep dive into a specific scary movie, trying to find connections between that film and other movies within the genre. In this mini series of episodes, we've been discussing some of our favorite zombie movies and where they came from. Uh, I'm Travis, and I'm finally back with Daniel and Tyler. We tackled the great granddaddy of all undead horror, Night of the Living Dead, in our most recent episode. This week, we're capping off this miniseries with a Spanish-Cuban zombie flick. What did we watch? One of the dead. <laughs> Night of the Living de Dead. Los oh, my God. No. One de los muertos. Run it back. Wait. One of the dead. Miami. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, in Juan de los Muertos, a band of slackers battle against a horde of zombies as the Cuban government and news media claim that the living dead are dissidents revolting against the government. Oh boy. This is a good how, one to finish. How timely. How timely. Dude, like, there's something so. I did not anticipate going into. I was like, I'm going to throw on an easy one, a super easy, like, lighthearted, fun zomcom for the, like, final installment of the zombie miniseries but then as i started sort of like as soon as you start pulling at the pieces of like all of the subtext of this movie and start kind of unravel i'm like i'm not i didn't do enough research to like do this episode justice we're gonna very in a very superficial way we're gonna discuss um some elements of cuban history america cuba relations i guess the cold war maybe and economics and there's there's a lot like (laughs) There you go. We're going to exactly. do it with the raw mm-hmm. confidence of a white man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, this was my first time. Obviously, this was my first time watching this. I hadn't like, I knew, I guess I knew like the general premise of the plot, just reading, you know, the synopsis and everything. But like, I had mm-hmm. no idea going into it. Like, I gave it two watches this weekend. Um, one pass, just kind of like watching it. And then another pass with, all of, the, and, with yeah. all of the fervor of, uh, of the, the, the sort of allegorical significance of uh, some of the moments of this movie but read a little marks in between yeah he did some yeah <laughs> went on a whole fucking like red rant and yeah dude like i don't know yeah this is weirdly like 
This movie hit way. It, I feel like this always happens. This happened on the American Psycho episode too. Uh, I, I was going back through. Whenever I go back through the analytics of our old episodes and look at some of the most popular ones, like that is one of the most popular ones, and it is one that I prepared for the least. Where mm-hmm. you just kind of go in and I'm, we just started fucking ranting we about went down a fucking rabbit hole big time. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But Daniel, I know you have a really good like backstory for this movie. You have a very special special relationship with this one, right? I do actually, um, and I think I might have been the one to put yeah. this on the list, or I put it up there as like a big suggestion because originally oh, we wanted like Shaun of the Dead, okay. and I've been mm-hmm. like, well, what if we did something that fewer people like Shaun of the Dead gets enough press? Yeah, let's do Juan of the Dead. <laughs> um, I saw this way back in like I want to say two thousand and nine, two thousand whenever. I guess it would have been okay. Yeah, yeah, two thousand ten. I saw this in two thousand ten at the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was doing a festival circuit that year, um, and then it got the distribution after that. Um, right. But it played at the Dallas International Film Festival, and it was one of the midnight screenings. And I just saw, like, this was when I was, like, a junior in high school. So I saw it and was like, oh, this seems kind of funny and, like, interesting. They Like, in the description, they explicitly call out, like, this is, like, if you like Shaun of the Dead, you should watch yeah. Juan of the Dead. And so I went and caught this by myself at a midnight screening and just had an absolute joy. Like, I, I mean, it's junior in high school. Like, yeah. this is hilarious. Yeah. This is, like, everything you want it to be. And I love finding small films and, like, kind of being, like, championing these. I'm like, oh, okay, everybody talks about Shaun of the Dead. Now I can be like, great, if you like this, watch mm-hmm. this. And so I've always been, like, in their, in their corner, like, praying that they'll get, like, more distribution or get more widely recognized um, and it, it's just funny to me. I'm like, I will take it is a lot like Shaun of the Dead. It's, it's a buddy zomcom mm-hmm. uh, with some other. It, it the, the the arrangement of the characters is interesting to me though, where it's like you know you have the two dads and then their two kids, and that's kind of just like the core group. And then you have the uh, the other couple, and then like you know we'll talk about these characters here in a second. I think we'll talk mm-hmm. about some of the scenes and everything. But there's a lot going on in it. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by how like it it's a I don't know yeah. It, it's a, it's a little raunchy, but like in like you know predictable ways, I guess. Yeah, it's a very 2010 yeah. comedy. Yeah, the, like there's you know preface trigger warning going yeah. into this. There's <laughs> going to be some jokes that are a little crude yeah. um, that maybe don't hold up current in current times. It's weird because though it, I don't know about the translation as well because some of the words in Spanish may not be yeah as uh, as big of a. Uh, yeah, like slurs as as you yeah. know you would imagine, um, right? I don't, I don't know the yeah. the nuances there, but well, I think exactly. Too, like, yeah, you've got to put some cultural context. It's like very deeply steeped in that, yeah. like yeah, for sure. Latin American machismo culture that, like, even regular yeah. Americans were kind of like. You know, Will Ferrell was making all these yeah. jokes in, yeah. like, it, you know, some of his movies, but yeah. yeah. Even so that being said, it's, you know, the mid-2000s, time. whatever, you know, like, vein of humor or 2000s vein of humor, like, and even with the context of it being a Latin American production, a Spanish-Cuban collaboration uh, production, um, I actually thought it was kind of mature in that context. Like, in a, in, a, in a funny, weird, roundabout way, they're actually very sort of worldly about some of those topics and the way they treat those, you know, like, specific characters or, like, mm. topics, um, which also kind of surprised me. Uh but yeah, it's one of the dead. Um, so the general premise, like we said, it's a group of slackers who uh, get together and uh, they are trying to live in Cuba uh, and survive in Havana uh, over the course of a zombie outbreak. Um, there's not really much background to the conceit of like how the outbreak starts or why it starts or you know what's actually going on, but zombies invade 
Havana, essentially. And then it's up to these few, you know, misfits, essentially, to try to band together and stay alive. But um, beyond that, it's uh, it's, it's essentially just a, a, a good kind of slew of, uh, of random zombie action sequences that are super joyful and fun. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, some of the best, like, kill sequences that I've seen in a zombie movie. Um, there's a lot of... Because it's a, a non-American film, you know, there's not the... Like, it, you watch stuff like this and you realize guns are really boring, uh, actually, when it comes to zombie movies. Like, mm-hmm. you, you, can, you can only see somebody shoot, I don't know, a horde of zombies in so many different ways before it kind of becomes repetitive, I guess. But they find many more creative ways to, uh, to, to do things in this movie. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's fun. Um, what do we think about the, the main character, Juan, here? I like him. He's, he's got, like, the perfect... He's the perfect like working class mm-hmm. hero. Like, did he you know? Looks so, like a normal uh, also guy, kind know? of right up top, a big kind of a bummer. Uh, uh, Alexis Diaz uh, de Villegas, he he passed away last year. He actually died in June of 2022 um, after like a long battle with lung cancer. Yeah, he was only like 56 years old. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> this kind of hit you up with a hmm. bummer right up top. Um, yeah, he's like, I don't know that. Like, he's been he was had a, um, a bunch of other films that he did uh, during the 2010s as well after this movie comes out, but he like. Yeah, he just uh, he had I guess like a long battle with lung cancer that finally uh, ended in in twenty twenty two. So we're watching this just a little over a year after he passed away. Um, but yeah, in this movie, a great working man, a great working class dude who kind of represents you know the they kind of hint at some stuff in his past, right? The idea is that he's this um, very uh, well lived Cuban individual who he references. Uh, did you catch when he talks about you know he? He uh, he does some cool violent move. The very first time they sort of do a crazy stab, you know, sequence with one of the zombies. Um, he looks at Camilla. And he says, uh, "Sorry, I learned that in Angola." And it's mm-hmm. they kind of reference the fact that like he participated in you know the Cuban intervention and like you know the war in Angola and all this other stuff. So he's a guy that has a, a lot of history uh, and back. And he sort of is the uh, you know he's the Juan to uh, Simon Pegg's Sean uh, from Shaun of the Dead. Um, the everyman that everybody can attach themselves to. Um, but he's also, I guess, kind of a deadbeat dad, too. Hmm. It's, it's, well, yeah, I was going to say, it's almost like a perfect analog uh, or like a transposition in some ways because, like, where Sean has this, like, you know, ex that just recently broke up with him that he, like, you know, he's been numb to his whole life. Juan is, like, happy right. to be numb to whatever's going on in his life. He's, like, this ex-military guy who, like, cashed his military pension. He's, like, the landlord that you don't quite trust, but who could who would still do the right thing. But you're still, like, <laughs> why did he have to come so late at night? Like, what's his deal? Why is there like, empty tequila always, bottles like, all over the roof of like, my rum? apartment building? Like, yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> nice and friendly, but you... He seems... But he is a good guy. Okay, so yeah. the first watch I had of this, though, I compl- it completely went over my head. Maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention um, that Camilla was his daughter. But then on the second watch, it kind of... It, it, it becomes a lot more obvious, right? I guess I was just still sort of trying to get my head around... Um, just like the social milieu of the different types of characters we're dealing with because you have mm-hmm. we have Juan right and then we have um Lazaro played by Jorge Molina right who is the you know the goofball you know comedic second relief. yeah the comedic yeah. relief who f- he squeezes himself into various you know diving suits over the course of the movie um and then pulls off you know random pranks and stuff uh and then we have their two kids um the Andros- and, yeah um, Vladi California yeah Vladi <laughs> Vladi California fucking name 
And I checked their ages too because I was also weirded like they the thing of them setting up the the age gap because everybody just looks pretty young. Mm-hmm. Like weirdly, I don't know if it's it's the Cuban sun or the weather or something, but like yeah. that Jorge Molina is actually like by the time this movie comes out, he's in his late forties, and then mm-hmm. that guy's in his twenties. So it's a conceivable age gap. And the yeah, same but he thing doesn't really look it. I know yeah. they they all look just really good for their age, uh-huh. I guess. You well, know? and also the the um, the I don't even want to call it a love interest. The neighbor that mm-hmm. Juan is fucking, um, yeah, right. Spider Spider Manning down the yeah. side of the building <laughs> does not look much older than the character who plays his daughter. Yeah. So when they when she arrives, I was like, is this another like love interest? Yeah. And they don't make it very clear for another like twenty minutes. Do you least. think it's the thing of just like the uh, maybe we've become much more nuanced in our cat at least to at some level in the casting like in the America in the United States of. Uh, having a good variation but these are all like for for you know the cuban cinema institute of cinema it's just like anybody who has actor face is goes into it so it's just all like you know good looking people or in, mm. you know who belong in movies it's that whole thing it's like oh you're you're pretty but not like movie star pretty but it, like if i saw you in a movie i'd be like oh why is this normal person looking person in a movie but if yeah. i saw you on the street i'd be like people like me yeah <laughs> exactly um but no, I, I, I like Lazaro a lot too. Uh, he's, yeah, that, that is kind of where we get most, some of the most crude, you know, humor and stuff, I guess, from. But he's mm-hmm. like, it's, you know, it, it is what it's it is. It's campy yeah. and it, it is self aware too. Especially yeah. if we want to, we don't have to go down that whole rabbit hole. But like I said, the jokes that maybe don't hold up, mm-hmm. it is a Zomcom. It is self aware. Mm-hmm. So they're not taking these phrases very seriously either yeah you know it's yeah. just kind of like banter yeah and when it's to, to like you know put it out like there, there is like some random basically it's like somewhat like homophobic stuff but it's not really that as much as it is in like it's it's more like just in the the parlance of of masculinity mm-hmm. uh especially with the bits then, that they do later at the same on. time they have lachina yeah exactly the drag queen who's their best friend yeah and so. she's as and and she's like a predominant character who's not played like they play the character like they you know i guess of this time too it, it is sort of played for laughs and as the butt of the joke but she, she also has a, a lot of agency in the movie and functions mm-hmm. like like her action sequences whenever she starts like pulling yeah. out her slingshot moves and then fighting with uh primo like mm-hmm. you know her partner i guess like it's a it's a whole thing um they have like a whole like I don't know, like Lenny George thing kind of going on, <laughs> but it's uh she she has her accomplice who is uh he he's terrified and faints at the sight of blood and so mm-hmm. he has to wear a blindfold throughout the, the like entire movie. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> it's like a banjo kazooie. Yeah. It's a banjo kazooie. Meta. It's uh it's almost like a ratatouille. Yeah. Like she's pulling the strings <laughs> for this big dumb oaf, you know. It yeah. kind of yeah, it does work like that yeah, way because yeah. when he puts on the blindfold, yeah, he has to. Uh, she has be to guided. direct him yeah. everywhere. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like as far as some of the scenes in this movie go, right? Uh, so the film opens. I, I also love like so throughout this. You know, we'll talk about some of the scenes in this movie, but um, and try to kind of like pepper in where there are references to um, imagery and I guess allegories for Cuban culture and uh, the sociopolitical. Uh, history and nature of of cuba as a whole to our best Mm -hmm. to kind of very like i said very superficially gloss over this stuff that i probably i feel like deserves its own meta analysis i don't know daniel how much have you done into like you know as far as there's a couple of really good new york times like there's a new york times article and any wire thing that kind of point out some of the specific moments and the character elements that basically serve as foils for you know cuban history um it's yeah, I'm not like perfectly well versed. I I studied this once in college, and so I 
have to kind of right. background that lets me <laughs> laugh at some of the very more specific Cuban jokes because I get like, you know, Angola. when he talks about, like, I survived mm-hmm. Mario. The special survived, period after that. You know, the special period, Angola, I survived. And then, yeah, the time that came after that. Like, um, and so I was, I was actually kind of laughing about some of this because I was thinking about like how much of the zombie movie itself would it be even would even be a part of like human culture and like where the zombie kind of comes yeah, well, from. Well, that's the idea place. is like you know to, to to kind of get right into it is the idea of um, Havana in in itself, for instance, right? So like after the collapse of um, the, the the Soviet Union in the nineties, um, this kind of has a really disastrous effect on the Cuban economy and government, which over the course of the previous couple of decades had sort of been propped up by the Soviet Union um, after the seizure of uh, various you know Western uh, assets and resources in the Cuban economy um, by Castro's regime uh, and then the subsequent embargoes placed um, by the American government and uh, the enforcement of those embargoes over the course of, sorry, I'm like very, like I said, yeah, very high level kind of glossing over yada, yada, yada in Cuban notes. history. Yeah. Um, there was a whole, the world almost ended one time. There was a whole thing. It was a, it was a big deal. Um, so, <laughs> um Yes, sorry, as someone who has a degree in political science and had to do whole courses on Latin American history and like political arrangements and stuff, this is this is the worst way for me to do this. Mm-hmm. And it, like like I said, I, I probably should have set aside an entire dialogue and conversation about the specific elements of this movie that reference these things. Um, because, for instance, right, so the opening of this movie starts uh, with uh, our titular character, Juan, floating on a makeshift raft which is basically a couple of pallets thrown together with, I don't know, some, some tanks. Rope and, some, and, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it is kind of a reference to the, the mass emigration of Cubans uh, leaving, the, leaving Cuba following the collapse of the Soviet Union. Um, there was this huge migrant uh, sort of influx uh, to, to Florida after the collapse of the Soviet Union and the subsequent sort of collapse of the Cuban economy um, in the 90s. Uh, and so this is kind of a reference to that, which we'll also come back later on whenever they do, you know, at the first uh, sort of attempt to flee from the island, whenever everybody is also trying to leave uh, as the zombie horde takes over Havana. Um, the image of this sea of people all attempting of to... Of the undead. And then also... Under the water. Yeah, which yeah. was a fucking which, sick... It was a sick shot. Shot, but also yeah. very poignant. Very, very sad. Very sad. Super sad. Um. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, this is this is a horrifically redund- or like reductive way to talk about some of these topics or whatever, but it is worth noting that Within the context of uh, of Cuban cinema, for instance, too, there's that uh, New York Times article that I linked in kind of one of our uh, our outlines um, that talks about how um, this movie coming around in 2010, right, uh, a couple of years after uh, Raul Castro is uh, receives power from his brother Fidel Castro, um, who gives up control over the regime in 2006, um, and then U.S. Cuban relations are starting to sort of be brought out into the open again and after Obama comes into his presidency in 2008 there's this really interesting you know idea of of the way that you know up until this point all of of media and everything under Castro's regime was very much controlled by the Cuban government Um, and so during this decade and then you know the following decade as well leading up to where we are now in 2023 um, the Cuban Institute of Cinema I I don't know if that's the right it's the Cuban Institute of Cinema or like La Cinema you know um, institution institution or whatever um, is allowing more independent filmmakers to create films and do filming in Cuba um, and this comes up about as as the product of that, which is really interesting. It's it's as as a um, a privately um, funded and produced uh, 
Cuban Spanish production. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that that being the case and in the context of creating a film in, you know, this this climate, how irreverent and how sort of like attack directly sort of, you know, attacking or making jokes about some elements of Cuban culture and history that, that are, are very, very recent. Yeah. Very recent. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was such a quick switch too, because I mean, this screened at a lot of different festivals in Cuba and people came out in droves and we're talking about a, you know, a culture where a lot of those sentiments from previous periods, periods, previous rulers, Mm -hmm. I don't want to, you know what I mean? Um, are still kind of tightly held by some of the population. Yeah. You know, like we talked about this. I was in Berlin recently. Uh-huh. And if you go like the cultural difference between East and West Berlin, like right. in Eastern Berlin, you still have right. these old heads who identify with the previous institutions. Right. Yeah, because um, there's even some of that socialization with, uh, like, Juan's character, right? When they do a couple of things, like, in one of those montage sequences where they're, like, burning down a building or doing something, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, a sign gets crashed into. And it's sort of, like, the uh, the refrain of, uh, you know, but for the, you know, for the country, you know, so yeah. there, there's some there's some nationality in there, that uh, nationalism in there that is still mm-hmm. sort of... You can tell it's one of those things that yeah if if you're if you're speaking to members of the previous generation about this who lived through it it's like you know this is also kind of glossing over this thing too so like there's a whole big thing of of uh, Cuban Americans uh, after another big mass migration um, that occurred previous to the 90s right where you have a big influx in the 80s of Cubans going to Florida and then sort of adopting um, you know Cuban or, uh, um, American nationality but then also yeah. their they 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 were uh, political um, refugees from you know the Cuban government um, who were very very much against um you know opening up relations to cuba in the 90s when bill clinton comes into power and is thinking maybe about you know lightening up the embargo and stuff all these cuban americans say no the horrors that we experienced under castro during um you know a couple one of these periods over the course of the seven sixties and seventies when we're horrific and we should, you know, take him out of power. And so you have this, this sort of battle, which is a proxy of the battle between the West and the Soviet or communist sort of ideology during mm-hmm. the eighties and stuff, which is really weird because then that also gets echoed. Like I said, circling back to this whole thing of like it, the, the, the mentality of people who, who stayed in Cuba, who uh, didn't leave during the eighties, but then also experienced the economic hardships of the nineties and the following decade, um, that is also something that comes full circle right at the end of this movie, which it cannot be taken that lightly, honestly, like yeah. the ending of this movie, like not to sort of put too much of a sandwich on here, but like, yeah, Daniel, I don't know, like when you first saw this, did you sort of under- understand maybe, I guess maybe like the significance or, you know, allegorically, like what is the, the significance of Juan deciding, no, I guess I'm going to stay here. I, you know, I'm a fighter and if I just get a chance, then I will, you know, survive. And it's like, <laughs> and succeed when everything has not let him succeed yeah. for the last, you would assume, like 20 years of his life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was 17 when I first saw it, so no. Yeah. I thought I say, the dick jokes were funny. Let me also when I saw this. cut this that by saying like, that there is a bunch of really silly dick jokes and other humor in here. And I feel like that's the difficulty of like talking about this movie and why I kind of like, it's like, we're giving a lot of this discourse to sort of preface the conversation about the scenes in this movie, which are very funny and very fun, but it can't be taken without a great assault of the understanding of like, 
there is something like this maybe maybe without leaning too hard into the the seriousness of this so we can talk about some of the fun scenes in the movie but like the uh the idea of the titular character also get letting the next generation right his daughter and his son and then you know one of his best friends um to, to sort of sort of shepherd them into the the new you know their their next phase of their life and maybe the next phase of cuban history right mm-hmm. he says you know but he he decides to stay behind and says you know i like it here um i you know i like my life here i work really hard and i try to and i want to i don't want to stay here um but there to me there is something like so um uh, about alejandro uh i, I forget how i'm gonna butcher his name um but uh, about the director of this movie almost kind of making sort of um, a um an emotional statement about individuals cuban individuals and the future of the of the uh, you know the country of cuba and its and its culture and its society and if art can do something to like help that it's like the, the this idea that you know we can't we can th- you can abandon this place or we can stay and try to like make it better i guess uh i don't mm-hmm. know there was something like very poignant about yeah. that and then all also- framed in the context of zombies yeah that, like make, make <laughs> zombies any other societal societal issue and it becomes yeah. a very real conversation right which is kind of something that i feel like we've encountered a lot over the course of this series right we had uh like daniel and i talked with jamario yeah. in our most recent episode right where we covered night of the living dead um and then even before that covering 28 days later uh with chris and bianca about zombie movies have this specific element to them that it seems mm-hmm. like where they 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 seem to be a particularly good mouthpiece for reflecting back on culture and society in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause the zombies can be an allegory for anything. Yeah. Depending but, on the context and the time that the film comes out. Yeah. Right? And it's also the fundamental thing of what the zombie is, right? Where the zombie is the people around you, all of your friends and family mm-hmm. turning into monsters. And so there's something, <laughs> which about- in this <laughs> yeah. film, the state media calls them dissidents exactly and they yeah. call them dissidents they're considered the enemy <laughs> the uh the what's the other anarcho something yeah, like, yeah like anarcho capitalist iconoclasts yeah. as they're killing them like yeah, that's the quote <laughs> where he's like you iconoclasts <laughs> well that's so funny they stick to it too even when the spaniard uh the spanish missionary is like explaining and uses the word zombies yeah. they mm-hmm. like don't register it and so there's part of me the second time around it like I was like I guess in this universe like right <laughs> you know Cuba never got zombie True, movies so they would have was no idea what a zombie is so of course they think movies. like dissidents or something <laughs> yeah I guess so that is an interesting point though yeah they that the is it's not just this movie too it's like even in Shaun of the Dead too right where the idea that we're we're watching a universe where zombies don't exist or people don't know about zombies for some reason George Romero doesn't live in that universe he was just never there. Mm um that is an interesting point yeah i I don't know um i just think uh, this film has a lot of like deep irony um for one like getting to the the idea like Mm -hmm. george romero's you know zombies as consumerism as consumers which is like blatantly like laughing about it is like how are you a consumer (laughs) in communist society kind of thing um and two my favorite part about all this is in the background like you mentioned all the the billboards posters even like graffiti yeah. on the wall is always like die for your country like die for patriotism and it's like the joke is just like what happens like 
and then what? Like after you die, and then what? Like now you're yeah. are you a zombie for your country? Yeah. Like what's and, the plan and, there? I, and that's the other thing about the irreverence too that uh, you know some of those articles are pointing out, which is like the fact that they're able to do this in a Cuban made film by a, Cub- a Cuban director, very pointedly pointing at you know like the the scene with the military, for instance, right? They um, when they've escaped their most recent bout with you know whatever zombies, um, and then they're sort of apprehended by a couple of Cuban soldiers who come up and they they force them to strip and then load them into the back of a paddy wagon um and there is something very uh it's you know and they say they're gonna they're essentially telling them they're gonna take them them. they're gonna take them to labor camps essentially to go rebuild you know cuban society or whatever and there is something very like very very uh you know not like stark about that and about its its proximity as a to you know the, the history of of various moments during the cuban regime coming and seizing you know control of all of, of all of the assets and all the resources of the country in order to sort of um propel forward the the communist mission right um and it's interesting it's it's a like i said this is a uh, going into this and, and, and getting excited about watching a latin american zombie movie i was super excited but then i, I, I guess it didn't dawn on me <laughs> how, how much hard i would want hit. to yeah want to talk about like cuban like the politics of the cold war and all mm-hmm. these other things which but that's a different podcast guys that's a different <laughs> podcast that maybe we'll do at some point but unfortunately let's talk about so yeah let's talk about some of the scenes though other ones in this movie but yeah so the opening like i said we kind of hinted at it um juan uh, is floating uh and then they immediately are ambushed by a zombie from underwater um <laughs> this is look, the first time we see the spear gun utilized. This, the fucking harpoon gun <laughs> <laughs> just comes back over the course of the movie is mm-hmm. so funny to me something about Chekhov's yeah, they, but it's, it's there's something it's about Chekhov's Chekhov's that never gets gun. old it's, it's always it's funny it's funny and they use it in a couple of different ways like it's just the always at the worst time possible it's a ridiculous weapon <laughs> it's just a stupid weapon too because it's like inherently it, it, it like not like it's illogical because you're just you're attached to the thing to the thing you're trying to kill and then it's also you can't reload it really it's got a, it's a mm. very difficult tool to use it seems like uh, and then they give it to the stupidest member of the group who c- consistently like <laughs> uses it the wrong way um but yeah so they harpoon that random zombie and then we kind of get introduced to some of the remaining characters right we we, we first go up to the rooftop which this always looks like a really nice thing i've always had this whenever i i romanticize the idea of like living in a big city uh like you know like new york or chicago or something this is what i always wanted growing up as somebody mm-hmm. who grew up and has lived in dfw my entire life we live in a big city and which is dallas but we don't have livable downtown areas like yeah, they do on the east coast sprawl. exactly you're talking about like we're talking about a city that built up and not out exactly right? but uh, the idea of of of, of chilling on the rooftop in your deck chairs drinking rum uh and yeah. hanging out with your buddies i was like that looks like a good time honestly it does. They and clearly like they spent a lot of time up there based on how many rum bottles are <laughs> and stacked up. yeah the wall of rum <laughs> Yeah, they like yeah. They collect. I didn't empty rum bottles. realize what it was until just now. Actually, that that was all the they rum. Were that all they the empty. Yeah, drink. he like adds the one as they finish it. Also, yeah. that it gets like <laughs> it gets like significantly higher throughout the film too. So like it starts at like Juan's shoulders. And then I think after they cut, yeah, like there's a, later, yeah, because like the time skip in this head. movie is also funny. The the thing I will say about this movie is like it is a it, it it's a it's a zomcom. It's a funny zombie movie. So I'm not gonna hold it to the highest standard. Other than like like I said, all of the other very sort of subtle intricacies of its of its you know symbology and stuff and like mm-hmm. about Cuban history, it does kind of ramble, right? Like this movie has a lot of 
sequences that don't necessarily it, it has the uh what is it the the and then syndrome rather than mm. the uh this it's actually uh, trey parker uh, did that the the creators of south park they have a really great one of the one of the most interesting writing quotes that i've ever seen was trey was trey parker talking to an audience about there should never be and then between the sequences of your of your scenes or your movie mm. it should always be therefore or but like mm. something happens therefore this happens or something happens but because, then this happens yeah. yeah um and then but so it's like if 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 and then happens between your scenes like a sequence happens and then you have to say and then another thing happens that's not good you know yeah you're not leading into it properly. yeah it's not like motivated i guess you know storytelling or whatever but which this movie maybe kind of suffers from a little bit it's basically a a string of various um you know, encounters with the zombie horde, which I think also makes it kind of weird to talk about it, uh, break it down, you know, chronologically. Um, but there are a couple of scenes that stick out, particularly some of these opening ones where, like I said, we get we get introduced to the, the cast of characters because Juan and Lazaro are up on the rooftop uh, looking through a telescope. Um, we meet uh, Lazaro's son, uh, Veldi. Bloody uh, California. Yeah, who is, like, I don't know, he's like a Cuban, uh, what would you call him, like a... Um, What's the closest? Him- himbo. I mean, he's kind of a himbo. Go, hey, yeah. In synchrony. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, I mean, he's a cutie. Like, he's, yeah, he's a cute young guy. Um, and so, obviously, he gets set up immediately as the love interest for Juan's daughter, Camilla, who we're introduced to. Um, she, obviously, they, it's kind of established in these first couple of sequences that they have sort of a fraught relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, she lives uh, in Spain with it, her mom. Exactly. Think, yeah, and that they, you know, obviously her dad and mom haven't been together for a while, Juan and uh, her mom. Um, and that he is uh, kind of seems it seems that he's kind of a deadbeat dad who has let her down a lot, and that kind of becomes the um, the main sort of thrust of their relationship throughout throughout the rest of the movie. Um, which is why him sort of coming back around at the end of the movie to rescue, you know, to save her and basically save everybody is sort of the the, the climactic turning point in their relationship as he proves himself to be, you know, the man that she wishes that he was. Um, we also get the the idea that Juan is is kind of a, a scallywag. He uh, there's there's a couple of very like emotional scenes in this movie that that hit with like needle drops and you know some very the music in this movie is really fun. It's mm. very like it, it, it oscillates between um, sort of crime scene uh, TV thriller music like you know it's like slow guitar and like kind of bluesy mm-hmm. stuff to you know obviously like the latin american sort of stuff you would be hearing on the radio maybe um to like these very like sweet and uh melodramatic like electric guitar notes like when he goes up on the rooftop after having a conversation with camilla and uh it seems like he's going to commit suicide he stands mm-hmm. on the ledge of the rooftop and then we see him leap off the or, like hop off the rooftop but then it turns out he was just landing on the balcony below uh to sneak into the apartment of a of a woman um and have a a daily a little a little afternoon delight. <laughs> with her yeah um before her husband gets home um but yeah later on uh so we're introduced to the rest of the characters once uh, they gather in front of this church which seems to be some kind of like community meeting right um it's uh china um who like we said is is seems to be the like the the drag queen maybe like sex worker or um something in that category which there's not a lot of background yeah given like i said (laughs) refraining back to the economy of cuba and like how the Cuban residents and locals sort of function in conjunction with the tourism industry and the effect that that's had on the Cuban society over the course of the past hundred years. Like that makes sense. It's like, okay, yeah, obviously this character would be in there. Um, but then we also have uh, China's partner or accomplice or uh, uh, pr- 
he's referred to as Primo, pretty much, who is basically like Mike Tyson on like Cuban Mike Tyson on steroids. Mm-hmm. Like he's even yeah. he's a he's big Cuban, guy. Cuban the Rock. Yeah, like. <laughs> essentially. But he even has the he has the Mike Tyson tattoo oh, on his face. That. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I guess it's kind of covered up for a lot of the uh, the movie by the blindfold. But he has like yeah, the, yeah. the cool tribal thing over his uh, one of his eyebrows. Um, but they gather in front of a, a a church or steeple, some kind of other building of the sort, uh, to discuss community affairs. Um, and this is when we're introduced to our first zombie who breaks out uh, of the church doors and attacks everybody in the crowd. And I love the level of nonchalantness that everybody treats the zombies with in this movie. Everybody is just so matter of fact. Like there are people, like background characters who are reacting with the appropriate amount of hysteria mm. but then our, all of our main characters are so nonplussed by yeah, any they of just the give song. the most like quizzical look like yeah. what the fuck and don't respond yeah beyond that which becomes the central conceit of the movie because shortly afterward the whole rest of the movie is Juan of the Dead is is the the name of the business that they decide to form the side hustle essentially to go around murdering people's you know their 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 log their line on the phone their 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 sales pitch is Juan of the Dead we murder your family members what can I can we kill I, your I help beloved you? we I kill think, your beloved yeah, yeah. Hey, it's Travis. Uh, just jumping in here in the middle of the episode to say thank you for listening. And if you guys like what you hear, please feel free to tag us on social media at Scary Sunday Scaries. Uh, it's one of the best things you can do for the podcast. It really helps us get more followers uh, and interact with you guys. So we hope we hear from you guys soon. Thanks. Um, I found it funny that they are so tied into what the state, like they they listen to the state media, right? And they are have strongly held beliefs about the Cuban regime. When shit hits the fan, they do the most capitalist thing they can possibly think of and start charging people yeah. to kill the zombies. It, this is the funny <laughs> thing, too, though. Like, that's... But they think, like, it's such a brainwashed um, thought process, you know? Yeah. Like, they're not even thinking twice about that. And I'm wondering, like, if the filmmakers, if that was intentional or if it's just, like, a funny thing to start a business to kill the zombies. It is very much I, it has to be intentional because I think what's going on is Alejandro is referencing essentially what um, so going back to like like sort of economic history right after the collapse of the Soviet regime in the 90s they open up basically the idea is that you're allowing certain sectors of the economy to function privately you're then you're starting to allow citizens to go and um, have private enterprises and mm-hmm. have private jobs that are not funded by the state that are not state and uh, you know enterprises or state-run um programs uh but that happens it, it's a mixed economy is, is what they decide to do from then mm-hmm. on where they're having both of these things going on at the same time the problem that creates is that you basically have these incredibly impoverished cuban citizens who are living side by side um with the new economy that's evolving out of opening up tourism a little bit more and having foreign t- you know foreigners come in um to visit cuba as a tourist destination going to these very lavish nice hotels um mm-hmm. getting access to very you know nice amenities but at the same time you have the cuban citizens who they're allowed to go and form their own enterprises and do their own jobs but it's still in the yeah. cl- like uh, they, they, they a became- select few are are milking that all most almost all of that profit right yeah the, like those are the very a, top bar but then you have people like juan and them who they they're allowed to go get jobs and do things but it's at a very you know in, in, 
at a very low return sort of kind mm-hmm. of situation you where can, you just have to you're take it where barely you can get scraping it. by and you're trying to find you know any way you can to make a living essentially and keep yourself alive which is it seems like that's where we're pulling these characters from these are the mm-hmm. people who belong to you know when cubans basically became second class citizens in their own country these are the people we're pulling from but it's it, it is fascinating what you point to where it's like <laughs> whenever they're attacking people they're like ah the dissidents like the yeah but pay me <laughs> to kill the dissidents yeah i hate the dissidents but i'm going to get I'm going to get mine at yeah, the same time. But that they refer to them. Like, whenever they go down, I love the scene, uh, you know, one of the first couple of times they go down and one of the big sort of mobs of people is starting to run away from a zombie horde. And they've met back up with, like, they've lost Vladi for a second, right? Mm-hmm. He was down and they finally find him and it looks like he's about to, like, fondle, like, a zombie lady. Um, but it turns out he's just been stealing things from all of the zombies, <laughs> like cameras and sunglasses and shit. And he's mm-hmm. like, this is awesome. I'm going to make a killing off of this. And um, then the zombie horde starts approaching and out of his backpack he pulls out an american flag he's like no 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 we're, we're we support america Everything's good. <laughs> like still believing that they're all just american insert like you know american supporting insurgents or something um and they pull up pull out the cuban well, flag yeah. too and they're just like but they're holding both they're like whatever one works whatever's yeah, just, gonna keep you from killing us just tell us um but yeah, they form a they form Juan of the Dead, and yeah, the the montages of them going around and and making service calls are hilarious. Did you catch some of the the stuff in the background that was uh, that, that what they were implying uh, when they went to go make some of these service calls? Oh, when they do like the series of calls, I feel like I there was one I didn't get. He like. His eyes go really wide, and he's like, "Oh no, I'm not. I think, you're gonna have to do that one yourself." And, like, I think there was on one that was implied they, like, that it was like a uh, like a government leader or something. Like the idea that it was like they were at, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that guy became like a zombie. One of the one of the oligarchs. Yeah, and he's like, I don't want to stay away from that. Um, but they have a couple of other ones where it's like <laughs> the fucking the winners of the Paralympic, like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. They imply essentially that they're like, oh, the the Paralympic track team? Oh, they turned into zombies? All right. And yeah. like it happens off screen, but it's implied that they went and murdered a bunch of like differently able Paralympic athletes or something. Um, and then there's the other one where it's like they're they're walking out of uh, like a school auditorium like after having gotten done with a job, I guess. And it's mm-hmm. like implied they just murdered a bunch of children essentially. Because <laughs> then they also straight up like they straight up murder a couple of people in this movie too, whether on accident or on purpose. There's mm-hmm. That one guy who uh, Lazaro, it's set up at the beginning of the movie that some dude who owes him money or whatever, and they have a chase sequence at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. Um, but then later on, they're, you know, after following maybe one of the montages where they're going around killing a bunch of people. Yeah. They had just killed a bunch of zombies. Yeah. And then they see the guy that owes him money. Yeah. He just goes and straight up fucking murders him and says, He owes me money. You're like, What are you going to do? All bets are off. Yeah. All bets are off here. Um, the accidental murders, though, <laughs> seem to be the funniest ones. The first one happening with Yia, right? This old lady mm-hmm. who it's set up at the beginning of the movie whenever Juan shows up and he like helps her lift her things into her apartment. They go up to the, the shitty broken elevator that stops like halfway. I love the line she gives. She says, don't you take advantage of me, young man. And he like, you know, helps her, heaves her up onto the floor, like mm-hmm. you know, by, by the ass, essentially. Just, he's like, I couldn't help myself or whatever. But it's, it actually is kind of sweet. It's yeah, like they're it's very... Cute. They have a good relationship, like you know. You can tell he kind of takes care of them. There, there's some of those like elderly tenants in the building that you, you know, you kind of help out and support. Um, the community has adopted a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Right, but she calls him down because her husband uh, Rogelio has has uh, apparently died. She thinks, and this is also where we first kind of like have the characters 
investigate or try to figure out what the fuck is going on. Rogelio seems like he's died. Juan goes and slaps him in the face a couple of times and kind of confirms it until he pops awake, apparently zombified. And then he mm-hmm. stands up for the first time, apparently, in 15 mm-hmm. years yeah. and uh, starts uh, attacking them. So as Juan is fighting off Rogelio, he calls down the rest of the crew. Uh, Lazaro and uh, Vladi come down to try to help him. Um, and in the scuffle, Lazaro, wielding his harpoon gun, accidentally shoots through the chest of Rogelio, the zombie, and into yeah. <laughs> so, like, the slapstick murder is... Mm-hmm. Uh, Who then promptly also becomes a zombie. Yeah. And, well, they, they, they have to deal with... I think she stays pinned to the wall, but they then have to deal with Rogelio trying to figure out what works on them. They, they think it's mm-hmm. vampires for a second, so they shove garlic in his mouth. Um mm-hmm. No, it's like this beautiful bit where, uh, like, so they, the harpoon gun is on a line. He's on a clothesline. So line. Rogelio is basically yeah. tied <laughs> on a clothesline to his his dead wife, yeah. who's like harpooned to the chair. Mm-hmm. So he's pinned by this like fake string that they then like spend five ten minutes trying to figure out what this is, but they never say the word zombie. Yeah. They know what a vampire is. They know, uh, like, all this other stuff, but they never exclusively, like, get mm-hmm. to the idea that it's... They think he's possessed, <laughs> um, and that's where he kind of, like, bashes him in the head with mm-hmm. a cross because he gets really Saying, aggressive like, with the crucifix made up prayers. and just, like, beats this guy's brain. Yeah, there, there's out. something... Um, yeah, they do the they do the classic bit where they're like, "That's not a prayer." Yeah. He's like, well, you tell me. A There's prayer. so many like, of those. This movie is very, uh, very much Edgar Wright inspired. It seems like though. So Edgar Wright being the director of Shaun of the Dead, um, Last Night in Soho, Hot Fuzz, all of the great Simon Pegg vehicles, and a lot of other and uh, fucking um, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um, Edgar Wright. Well, I think one of my favorite horror director like or camp horror fun i don't know like thriller directors um because it has an edgar wright also directly inspired by sam raimi right where there's there's a lot of raimiisms in this movie from the like the weapon suit up sequences where they're going and they like once they decide to start the business they're going and collecting all of their tools the mm. fucking nunchucks <laughs> that juan uses the sick ass nunchucks to beat the hell out of zombies i also love just like the absolute soup like i don't know efficiency with which they go around murdering uh all these all these zombies and stuff and the fact that there's not one not two but three different ninja star sequences where juan they just have shuriken lying around on them that he they're trying to teach the other citizens how to use it (laughs) effectively their little class on the roof that they have for them uh yeah they're trying to hire a guard of people to essentially go and and support the uh the business um and it comes back, yeah, later whenever the Camilla kind of like takes charge and and throws a shuriken at somebody and and kills them in the face with a with a ninja star. It's uh, it's super good. I mean, I think that's like part of the beauty of this movie overall is they never they're never happy to stop at just like one good punchline. Like mm-hmm. if they have a bit, they're gonna run it and they're gonna try and mm-hmm. run it into the ground. Like every time you're like, okay, that's pretty good. They're gonna find a way to just keep going. So like, not only are we watching like. Rogelio get like fucking harpooned into his dead wife's body but now they're gonna like spend time shoving his mouth with like a, a thing of garlic <laughs> and then like trying to figure out like how to get the demon out of him yeah they you know let, like they they, the they're gonna go ride for a while. above and beyond yeah yeah they escalate in a way that's just like you you think it's pretty good but then it gets better mm-hmm. and then you think surely they won't accidentally discharge the harpoon gun again <laughs> 
but they do. It's they keep. Those, it's like I was like, the gift there's no that way. Keeps on giving that harpoon gun. It's like it goes full circle from like you know how when you say a joke too many times it stops being funny, but then it, but starts it gets being really funny. funny. Yeah. yeah, it's just riding the bit into mm-hmm. the dirt, and it's so fucking good. Uh, also, the next guy that they kill with the harpoon gun is that like evangelist yeah preacher like, uh what does he call himself preacher or something uh preacher george or something yeah he says the lord has sent him to yeah but he has a harpoon gun on his truck which is and the, saves them with it he does a ghost and ship. then he they does kill a, him with a harpoon gun. yeah it, it comes full circle <laughs> that that is one of my favorite kill sequences. the ghost ship the ghost ship scene was is tight they're basically so uh later on this is i know we're kind of jumping around but that's the nature of this movie because the nature it's of this just movie a, a string of encounters it's like hey what fun stuff would happen in a zombie movie and they just kind of put it in whatever order because there's not really like i said there's not really very much forward momentum in this movie Mm -hmm. um but that's not really to its detriment uh it kind of it works out really fun because then you're just like stringing together a bunch of silly things the whole middle like 45 minutes is them just surviving yeah essentially and just finding creative ways maybe we should leave yeah yeah um but yeah in that bit they they have decided to leave but then they get trapped essentially they're 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 surrounded by an entire horde of zombies and we think the the jig might be up for them but they're in some sort of like town square area but then out of nowhere to their rescue this pickup truck shows up with a mounted harpoon gun to the the fucking cab and it shoots the harpoon gun through one zombie pins it to a telephone pole and then drives in a circle with a metal wire and decapitates all hundred zombies as it all, all of our main characters duck down to avoid it and it's it's a thing of beauty. It's great. It really is. Yeah. What do you think of this character, though, Daniel? Like, this preacher guy? He th- This whole bit was funny because he speaks in English the entire time. Mm-hmm. It, it's honestly really funny to me. I was It made me forget. I was like, oh, shit, I forgot there's still, like, Catholicism and, like, Catholic mission work that happens mm-hmm. in yeah. Cuba um, throughout the course of, like, Cuban history. It was definitely a very pointed missionary, like, God sent me here to save you, you know? It's just a great play on like those people that have that idea in their head. I guess like the the joke in like some movies of like the the got the faith oriented like killer who's like God save me so I can save others and then immediately gets like just completely if dis- <laughs> he gets harpooned uh, eviscerated. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought it was funny. This is a trope that that recur- occurs a lot too, right? Even in like the the Last of Us series that that wrapped up earlier um, mm-hmm. this year, like where you have David, right? Yeah, there's always going to be the yeah the religious zealots who take advantage. I mean, the, the conceit of zombie movies as a as a, a foil for you know societal collapse or revolutions or the any apocalypse. other kind of apocalyptic events yeah. where you know in in 28 days later it's you know these weird you know fascists essentially trying to take advantage and start some kind of weird patriarchal utopia um or you just have common criminals going around and trying to make a, a buck off of it um or you have like weird religious zealots who find god in the moment of an apocalypse and decide that this is you know a sign that they're being they're experiencing the wrathful you know uh like smite smiting of of a of a deity or something and that's who this guy is but it's also funny because he does speak in english but this is clearly like a cuban actor who is trying to phonetically read his uh his lines <laughs> um maybe he didn't uh, spend that much time learning them in advance because he sort of the subtitles go off whenever you watch this part of the movie like they're not you know doing it but if you watch it i guess with english subtitles and try to like listen to what he's saying really fast because it's he kind of jumps over a couple of different words um his accent mm-hmm. like you know pushing through and it's 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 funny but it's also like a um uh, an interesting sort of like 
production artifact or whatever. I guess that's that's uh, that's interesting. Um, that actor is Spanish, by the way. He's Spanish. Like okay. Padre Jones. Also, Daniel, with your, I forget, like dialectically, the time that you spent in like Latin America, is your Spanish more uh, like Argentinian? Like, do you like the whole thing with like Juan's character? For me, his his dialect was like really hard for me to actually listen, like pick up. I he he glosses so quickly over some of his like consonants and stuff that it's it's very much because like Castilian style, you know, Spanish. I didn't know that this is like. I guess I didn't know that the Cuban dialect is this much, like, you know, Euro- European yeah, in a way. Yeah, um, It's interesting you say that because I, there's a really good podcast. They do kind of like deep dive stories, but different parts all over the Spanish-speaking world. And I listen to one in Cuban, like mm-hmm. Cuban Spanish, and it was like utterly indecipherable at times because they're so guttural. They like gloss over so many parts of like, yeah. the consonants, the things that I use. My personally, my Spanish is very. It's just very South American. Like it, it's a much more, very Central South American too. Oh, like like a, more of like a mountainous like Portuguese esque. Um, mm-hmm. not but not not necessarily. It's very like classic Spanish. I we don't. I mean, mm-hmm. I look down upon that that Spain Castilian Argentinian Spanish that where they th- their their you know their, yeah Barcelona like that shit drives me nuts. I never use Vosotros. I. It's just, and it's funny because I've talked to other <laughs> Spanish speakers who roll their eyes about it too. Like they're all like, yeah. "Oh yeah, that that nonsense over there." That well, it's like when in you Texas have, like, that too, or in California, that, like, lives even. in Canada or something. Yeah, it, like I mean, it is like I, I sometimes like you know, as far as the 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 the, the scale of the difference between like Mexican Spanish and Castilian Spanish, the um the the difference is like I, I i use it as a shorthand to say like you know like a british accent versus an american accent but there is something a lot like there's a little bit more like um syntax like or uh, like it's diction like, kind of choices it's it it would even be more like if it was like a full blown uh like really heavy cockney accent or like scottish people like maybe american accent I, yeah yeah um, where like they have their own like sometimes they'll just have their own inflection of words you know yeah. and you're like i don't know what i don't i that's there's no way what did you just say yeah um but it was interesting, yeah because i was trying to just like not read this like especially when i was trying to make notes and stuff right i would like look at my computer to start typing something but then realize like just using my ears i had to go back and read the subtitles because like yeah. it, it does he's he's yeah and it was interesting to me i didn't realize like i said that cuban spanish was so you know european in that way um but it is funny too the entire the entire bit part that's played out with this preacher guy though, where they're trying to like like Juan is the only one who up like quote unquote knows any English and he basically just knows like introductory phrases and stuff mm-hmm. and just stands. But he there. said he taught English. <laughs> I mean, he knows like four sentences. Yeah. Hello, I am Juan. How yeah. are you? I am good. Great. Awesome. Also, you. Great. Uh, Miami, <laughs> Cincinnati. Yes. And then uh, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And then the guy goes on this rant about like uh, how he escaped and how he can you know bring everybody to like you know to, to as long as they repent that he's gonna you know be the savior of mankind and shit. And then like yeah, he just gets harpooned again. <laughs> like fucking Lazaro. He also like Lazaro. tells them what's going on. Like he's yeah. like, oh, I realize they're zombies, and like kind of spells it out for him, yeah. but they can't understand him, so they're all just like shaking their. <laughs> heads at each other like he'll talk and then everyone looks at juan they're like what did he say he says oh something about old havana yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and vladdy's like yeah i got that too yeah that's what i heard yeah. <laughs> uh they uh yeah that that making off with like that that boat and stuff though uh was hilarious the um let's see 
I, it is sad to me that we do get rid of a couple of the main characters, but they do die in like kind of hilarious ways. So like following the uh, the the truck sequence with the military and everything, um, they they're all handcuffed together in pairs, um, yeah. in pairs uh, after being stripped naked. And uh, China and Juan go back up to the roof trying to find tools to separate themselves um, via handcuff. Uh, but then Juan quickly realizes that Sheena has been bit and is sort of sitting on a bench next to her as she's uh, trans- turn- turning into a zombie. Um, and then the whole, this whole like the dance sequence was mm. a thing of beauty. The choreography <laughs> is really great. Good. They get into like essentially a, a fist fight trying as Juan tries to keep Sheena from uh, from zombieing him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's, it's a tango. It's played against a tango, and the the sub to like you can read the subtitles for the lyrics of the uh, the song, um, and it's super cute. Honestly, they, it's this it's played for a, a whole laugh, but it's an extended dance sequence where they're doing this whole tango dance. But they're like their fight is like a dance, so he like dips Sheena mm. like yeah. in an attempt to like keep Sheena <laughs> from like biting him. Yeah. they like twirls Sheena <laughs> around. It's so funny, but she ends up going over the ledge of the roof, and so like is is dangling over the edge of the roof, and they finally lube up her hand enough to to have her slip off and fall fall presumably to her death, but uh, she comes back later uh, in zombie form. Um, the practical effects in this movie too were were so fun. I feel like they there's a couple of like goofy uh, CGI elements that are mm-hmm. in there, and for 2010, you know, it's it's whatever, it's fine. It's it it doesn't really take you out of the movie that much, but like as far as the blood and the viscera go, there was some there was some dangly yeah. arm bits and some exploding heads and some mm-hmm. all of the harpoon shots were fucking awesome yeah like those were all look amazing honestly mm-hmm. it was just some of the like the larger scale shots you could really tell yeah. the cgi kind of shown through a bit but mm-hmm. i mean i i don't know what the budget was on this but i can't imagine it's about three million dollars apparently okay yeah um which, which is like dirt cheap if you're trying to make a movie mm-hmm. as big as like and as violent as this so there's a lot of like cutaways but it's like it's a great. It's just like a masterclass in editing. Is like if you had no money but you wanted to film, <laughs> you know, someone like curb stomping ahead. Like here's how you would do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. all you need is like, uh, yeah, you do the upshot of the person doing the stomping, and then the blood splatter popping up. Um, there were a couple of cutaways too. I think what you're referring to there. Uh, there's one sequence in the midst of their um, their montage as they're they're doing their business, going around and murdering uh, loved ones for people. Uh, they go to the house of, I guess, somebody it appears to be a wealthy Cuban uh, woman who hires Juan and the group to come over and take care of. Uh, she said she was boarding a bunch of Spaniards upstairs, and you love the 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 subtle digs, the not so subtle digs at the Spaniards essentially in this sequence where they're like yeah I was boarding a bunch of Spaniards but I think they have some friends up there too it's not just them so we get the idea that it's like a giant horde essentially Mm -hmm. and then um, Sheena lets out a scream because she sees a bug or something and uh, they the, all, they all start too. coming downstairs, and it appears that they were doing some weird BDSM shit up there. Yeah, Juan's some orgy dungeon. Yeah, like there's a bunch of leather ball gags and leather. And, and, yeah, <laughs> Juan says fucking Spaniards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but in that sequence, once they get surrounded and ambushed by this giant group of zombies, the lights go off very quickly. And off screen, you know, we hear the sound effects of a bunch of of a, of a whole brawl going down, and the lights kick back on, and all of the zombies have been taken care of, as well as the wealthy Cuban woman who mm-hmm. hired them. Uh, but yeah, clever, you know, clever editing moves like that, where you kind of, you know, you you get the most out of uh, out of these sequences, and you can get away with a few things. Um, there was a couple of quotes in here that cracked me up. The the one thing that uh, 
as they sort of make their final resolution to to escape the island, right? Um, which carries with it maybe some of its own connotations and significance as far as you know Cuban history goes. Um, there's a funny bit where it, it is sort of a revelation, right? They've just heard this is like I think shortly after the uh, the time skip, the one month later kind of thing. Um, they hear the broadcast on the radio saying. Um, that everything is okay, but then quickly they see the broadcaster get eaten by a zombie like on live TV. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, I think it's finally time for us to go. Um, so they're like, we'll go wherever we have to. We'll go to fucking Miami if we have to. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and I, I think they say what? I think like, we're all it, three it, of us are thinking of the line at the same it's time. It's an island. Oh, okay. Well, no, I'm yeah. thinking somebody says like, it's an island. We have to go. The, we're going to have to go to the water eventually. There's nowhere else yeah. to go. Yeah. Um, but the quote that the quote from Juan though is as they decide to go to Miami, he's like, "Fuck." Yeah. It's funny that they choose to leave only when they realize they can't make any more money. Right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. everybody's a zombie and there's nobody to like. Yeah. They're to, like, "Has anybody called?" They're like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> and that's ironically like that's when Juan delivers a line after they decide to go to Florida. He's like, "Fuck." In the end, capitalism is going to take its toll on us. <laughs> like, yes, it is. <laughs> that's that's the, like that's the emotional through line of Juan, right? Yeah, like, he doesn't want to leave Cuba. His daughter wants to live in the states with their mom. Like, even California, like, kind of hints that he'd be interested in leaving. And Lazaro's like, yeah, fuck it, why not? Like, if my bre- if my son goes, I might go. Mm-hmm. And, like, Juan's like, no, I'm going to mm-hmm. die on this hill. Like, do you, he kind of says, like, why would you want to move to Miami where you have to work all the time? And right. you <laughs> can, like, float on a raft with me and drink rum all day. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. There's, yeah, like I said, the subtext laced throughout this movie is uh, is significant and fun. Um, there's a couple other really fun sequences. So after, shortly after murdering uh, the preacher, right, is when we get the whole bit with uh, Lazaro, uh, who thinks that he's been bitten, and they go up to the rooftop for to to watch his final sunset um, before the plan is for Juan to to knock him over the head and kill him, right? And this is where we get that weird extended bit where he pretends, <laughs> like he pretends that he his dying wish is. Is, he loves is confessing Juan. to Juan his love, his his romantic love for him, and he wants to blow him. <laughs> he said, "Can I give you a blowjob?" It's like to the point which they... to somebody that's infected. <laughs> right? I would, I wouldn't do that. It seems like an exchange of fluids that well, would. It's also a gamble, yeah. man. I wouldn't yeah. be. I wouldn't necessarily be putting some precious parts in. in that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, yeah. <laughs> I will say they pretty pretty flat, fast and loose with the fluids in this movie. Like these people yeah. are covered in blood oh, yeah. all the time. I like there's a it's a miracle they haven't turned. It's I it's mm. definitely not a uh, the it's not 28 days later rules right like but like uh, Brendan Gleeson like in 28 days uh, days later gets one drop of blood in his eyeball and immediately turns. That movie is is the quickest turnaround I think for mm. zombies. And in this one, yeah, they're not very. I mean, to a point, yeah, this whole bit. Uh, Lazaro does with Juan, you know, he he basically is playing gay chicken with him and gets him to pull out his penis and then says, you were going to fucking do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and says, nah, dude, like, and that's where he kind of delivers. I, like I said, I don't know in Spanish, like the expletive, I'm trying to, uh, yeah, I'm not going to like repeat it or whatever, but it's, there's an expletive that tr- it's translated to a slur uh, in the subtitles um, that gets dropped there. But it's, it, it's basically, they, you know, they're, they're goofing on each other and play it for last. But then Lazaro dips his head down and apparently dies. At least we think so. And Juan bonks mm. him over the head, and it, it appears that he wasn't actually bit. He said, "How sure were you?" He's like, "About thirty percent, maybe." I don't know. <laughs> but it's funny. I love his 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 just devout fatalism here, though, and, and mm. willingness to kind of just go. Um, 
but basically the the final sequences of, of this movie consist of them going through the garage of i guess the preacher guy was very wealthy because he has a bunch of classic cars but it's also these you know very very expensive uh cars that were maybe uh smuggled in um by a wealthy elite you know perhaps mm-hmm. during you know the 80s or 70s uh and they essentially weld together a every every good zombie movie has a super supercar right mm-hmm. and what they make is a uh a, an amphibious vehicle yeah it's what i was, I was trying yeah. to find the right term for it it's a, a it's boat like car the, those, <laughs> i'm just calling it a boat car it's in like my those notes. duck boats yeah um shout out wisconsin dells is this a real thing duck. You yeah would fucking have a duck boat jesus christ there's a resort town in wisconsin that has the wisconsin ducks and it's a boat like like it's a boat with wheels and you can drive it into the lake Interesting. Yeah, it's basically it's basically that car, but I was like wondering in truck if this form. Would work. Yeah, yeah, it's like because essentially they they make the boat, the duck boat, the boat car, uh, the amphibious, uh, bright red hot rod, essentially, um, and everybody takes off to kind of go get ready to basically make their final escape. Um, it is kind of a convoluted plan because they have to f- go by the, uh, the the seaside and essentially go on another killing rampage and stack up a ramp of zombies. Uh, mm-hmm. They use the bodies of all of the zombies they've just killed to, you know, create um, a, 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 shoot, a takeoff surface, essentially, for the boat car to launch off of. Um, and then Juan has to go and has a very difficult fight with a singular zombie as he tries to rescue a little boy. Um, he rescues the little boy from the, the boy's father. Yeah. That was like the point was he makes a joke about this guy and then later ends up Earlier. killing this guy. That's yeah. what it was. He okay. calls him a sodomite yeah. early in the film. That's uh, Maybe I missed that part. Yeah. And then, and then it comes full circle like, around. Knocks him and deposits him onto a pipe yeah. that is sticking out of the ground. But it And the translation is almost one-to-one, too. They just use the Spanish so word for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's like... That they said exactly, they translated and meant what they said for yeah. whatever it means. Well, I mean, he doesn't call him like a like. I mean, it's not really like a slur or anything, too. So it's like mm. maybe that it is like I don't know. But he, well, it's he, almost like a joke the first time he says it because he says it to the kid and the kid's like, "What's that?" And then he yeah. Kind of tells oh, him, I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Never mind. I'm remembering that part now. That's yeah, the very beginning of the movie. Uh, that is a funny. I love that he tells that to the kid. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so yeah, the kid gets rescued. Uh, the car launches off of the ramp of zombies. They <laughs> then we get the really goofy CGI shot of the car landing in the water. Um, yeah, that was the worst. Yeah, it was the a, worst was culprit a, for it sure. Was a, a fair, a, a, a weakly baked 3D model and some not very good comping. But um, they uh, they land in the water. Juan swims out to them and deposits the little boy in the boat with them, uh, and then basically says his goodbyes and delivers the thing we were talking the com- the, the the speech that we were talking about earlier um, about deciding to stay in cuba in havana and and because he's a survivor yeah he's a survivor and he just needs a chance um and the credit sequence for this movie dude is sick it's yeah, so he climbs cool. back onto the island right cue a cuban like punk version of sinatra's my way starts it cuts to all comic book style animation and he goes on a killing spree they're basically and like storyboard yeah uh, exactly. illustrations yeah, yeah. Um, and then we see that everybody that was in the car, his daughter, Lottie, Lazaro, which they actually don't so- show the child, do they? I guess not. In those <laughs> so they left. Everybody else came back to the island, but they left the child in the car because they don't show the child back on the island. Yeah. I don't think they do. Yeah. I guess But not. we're led to believe that the rest of the team banded came, together to, came back. to save Cuba. Is that what? The, okay. So I, I was wondering if that was the takeaway or if that was like. 
if those were just action shots of like the, the implication was that these were just sort of the action sequence like leading up to them leaving or if maybe that, mm-hmm. that is the case like they did come back and you know try to i took it as they against... came back because it shows him coming back onto land right and then they show up behind him right uh, I, I like that kind of join the fight you know yeah um yeah and it's 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 awesome dude and the that, very the, yeah. the very very last illustration is of uh like i said the the pointed irreverence of this movie and the boldness of it um there is one final shot of the last zombie that they sort of like shoot through i, I think with a harpoon gun or something but it the silhouette of it and shape of it is vaguely castro-esque like mm-hmm. it looks like fidel from behind essentially um which is interesting and then on the back he's wearing a jacket that says uh until victory uh in spanish mm-hmm. um and it's uh it's interesting it's pointed uh i am reminded i forgot in in thinking about what happened to that little kid i'm also remembering a bit from earlier during the montage with the guy with the fucking wheelchair <laughs> where it was that was oh, one of the, that was one help of the most me, help me. yeah there's a guy rolling through the street in a wheelchair who who's clearly like you know he, he needs a wheelchair to move and around they're, and they're carrying cases of rum yeah and they pause briefly to be like i guess we should help him because he's getting chased by zombies they, they disappear off screen and then come back with the cases of rum in, in the, the wheelchair, wheelchair. <laughs> they're like uh sorry uh he fell behind uh, he died and then so we had to leave him behind not necessarily in that order <laughs> oh man mm. i i like this movie a lot i i had a, I had a good time watching it i I, yeah. I there's a lot of fun bits yeah i didn't know like i said going into it i had no idea what to expect i kind of innocently thought I was just going to be watching a, a Spanish-speaking zombie movie uh, and was excited about it, um, mm-hmm. which that's pull, what it is. They pull a Trojan horse on you yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they snuck they in snuck into political a lot commentary. of stuff that I wanted to think about and talk about, and it's a it's a whole thing. It's a... I don't know. Did you like it this time, Daniel, just as much as the first time you saw it? I did. It actually, I got the same thing. It read way deeper for me this time around, but I felt very vindicated because I had originally bought this on DVD and was like, fuck yeah, I love this movie. Like I'm going to die on this movie's hill. And now I'm like, Oh, you know what? That was, I'm, that was probably a reasonable choice. Like, I'm glad that I could, uh, could introduce this movie to as many people as possible. Like this one Mm -hmm. I think deserves to be on more watch lists. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in a short list, like we'll, we'll come, we'll circle back to zombies, of course, eventually. Like we, uh, there's so many good zombie movies out here, out there. And we were just scratching the surface with a couple of the ones that we covered in this like very brief mini series. Um, but the more we unravel about this genre, as we were getting into it, the more fascinated I am by how closely, like I said, as a, as a foil for social commentary and other topics as they change throughout history from Romero's Night of the Living Dead to 28 Days Later to Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead to Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead to, you know, mm-hmm. these these rom these zomcoms too, um, where they kind of function in a similar way. It's it's just it's such an interesting subgenre in horror that has so many functions. Um, especially given, you know, we kind of, we alluded to this in a couple of the previous episodes about, you know, in a post COVID world, like what do these movies look like now and how do they, how do they hit different, um, after 2020, uh, than they did before, uh, yeah, any sort of isolationism I think is going to hit way different for people mm-hmm. of our generation and the generation surrounding us that went through the last few years. Yeah. Um, not to mention like the purely viral aspect of zombies yeah and you know a global pandemic pandemic. yeah Yeah. exactly yeah it's interesting and i wonder what like the zombie movies of the future will look like too i can't wait you know obviously i has there been i'm sure there has there's been some like covid movies and stuff i'm trying i can't think of one off the top of my head that is like the 
like a zombie version of uh mm. uh of well, there's that isn't well, there I mean, that Paltrow film that's literally just called Pandemic? Is that Gwyneth Paltrow? Is that what it is? Yeah. I'm thinking But of, I don't think I think that came out before yeah. COVID, but I think it's I feel what like, comes to mind as the most like relevant. Yeah. I feel like the crazies is another great one that um it kind of like jumps to my mind very quickly when I'm when I end for shorthand as far as uh good Oh, contagion contagion right was, but that oh, was like yeah. 2011 that one, was, that one well. was a little too on the nose where it was like yeah, yeah. it popped up again and like you may want to watch this and i was like would i no, do i want to watch not that? right now yeah. actually <laughs> i can't leave my house fuck you i wanted that's the last thing that i want to <laughs> fucking do um yeah i don't know i i, I love zombie movies and i love this like it, it's such a, such a fun genre that changes so much over time and there's something about like we talked about night of the living dead about the injection of sci-fi into you know like within the horror genre and the different ways it gets utilized uh and this is a really fun um version of that it started out as a sci-fi thing and it kind of has gone back and forth between being like you know sci-fi and um i don't know other weird social stuff but Mm -hmm. yeah and then most recently like i mean last of us i guess is the most recent example of of of, to point to of of um an interpretation of global events through the use of, of, a, of a fictionalized apocalypse, mm-hmm. um, which was, yeah, like I said, we, I know we didn't do our last of us recap. Maybe we'll put that on Patreon here soon. We'll spend some time talking about those episodes in depth. If I have the emotional fortitude to go through and watch those again, which yeah, I, don't, I mean, I might need a little break. Yeah. Know. Right. <laughs> it's I, man, cast. What, yeah. I right. will die on the the, the bear cast. Yeah. We bear gotta do the cast. bear cast too, man. I still have the finale. I yeah. haven't watched the finale yet. So no spoilers. Oh <laughs> Daniel, I got called in to work like seventeen days straight. This I feels, don't I need time. It's man. like this is the exact conversation we were having this time last year over season one, where we're like it's we true. never got around to doing the first season bear cast. <laughs> <laughs> like, when is it gonna happen? How many different podcasts can we do? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Man. I love this movie. I love, I love, the, I love the zombie miniseries, and I'm glad uh, we finished off on this one because it was, uh, it's fun, and I can't wait to do another uh, deep dive into zombie movies um, soon uh, through the lens of some different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than uh, zombie movies, what else have you guys been watching lately? Other than we'll talk about the bear later. Don't talk about the bear. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll try to hold off. Yeah. Um. I. I. We saw the recently. Most recently, we just saw the latest Indiana Jones. Um, we actually went on a tear and watched all of the Indiana Jones movies, like all five of them within an eight day period. And I, I feel like I've grown a lot just thinking about it because everyone seems to like want something from these movies. They're like Raiders is the greatest, is one of the greatest movies I was going to say, time. if you had to rank, you know, mm-hmm. Raiders to Temple to Crystal Skull to, yeah, like what, what would be your, your, your flash ranking? How many people are going to make mad with this? Tell me oh, Crystal Skull is your favorite. Uh, it. Uh no, Last Crusade is my favorite. Okay, Last Crusade is number one. Raiders is number two, and then I would probably put Dial of Destiny number three. Oh, interesting. And then Crystal Skull four and Temple of Doom five. But really, a uh, short bit. I mean, Kihai Kwan actually makes Temple of Doom way more interesting than it does. Like it does, they just ruin Kate Capshaw's character. It is, like, sad how little they give her to work with. And, like, we were watching it. We were like, geez, they are not kind to her. Mm. Uh, but mm. I, it's just one of those movies that's, like, funny because everybody, like, the reviews for the new one have been very mixed. But I realize now that, in hindsight, like, all we want is to be entertained. Like, the original yeah. Indiana Jones movies, all the complaints we have with this movie could equally apply to the other ones. Um, and, like, the fact that we're asking it to be, like, cinematic history is hilarious. I was like, you know what? Like, 
when you start letting go of the weight <laughs> of some of that, this gets much more interesting. Like, just let Indiana Jones be Indiana Jones and stop trying to make, you know, yeah. this mm. remake, you know, you know, like, this is, doesn't have to be Logan. This doesn't have to be the send-off that people ask James Mangold to make it. Like, it can just be fucking fun. And that was my... I had a blast. Like, that was my big takeaway. It was like, it was really fun. And I honestly kind of cried too, right? at the end. I did watch most of it. <laughs> so we went to the drive-in. Oh, uh, yeah, We went I to the Galaxy right. drive-in yeah. in Fort Worth. And it was very hot. We were laying in the back of Courtney's hatchback. And I did pass out about half an hour before the end. Um <laughs> So that may not be the fault of Indy itself. I think it was a How's situational that review. Uh, it was situational. You know, oh. I was already tired. It was hot. I was laying down. Uh, also, drive-ins, I love them. The whole first twenty-minute sequence of that movie, I could not see a fucking thing. Yeah. I had no idea what was yeah. going on. Drive-ins in Texas in the summertime, <laughs> yeah. which kind of ruined like it. It it set a bad vibe right. for me. So I'll, that's always a bummer. I need to rewatch in a better yeah. setting because it just kind of killed it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a theater movie for sure. I have that. And then I've been watching The Wire on and off for the last couple yeah, months. Yeah. I forgot so you've been in, doing your Wire rewatch, right? Yeah. It's my first time. I oh, have really? never seen The Wire before this. Yeah. Um, season three, I'm almost done. But I, it's funny because I watched this show in the first four or five episodes that feels a little boring. You're like, where is this going? And then something happens in the dead center this in the season, and you're like, oh, fuck, I really care about this. Wait a minute. No, this just got mm-hmm. super interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, everything's about to blow up in everybody's faces. Interesting. It does. But, but like, between drug cartels, like, holy hitmen, you know, police stuff, I totally get why, like, Breaking Bad wouldn't exist if The Wire hadn't tried it first, you know? Because, like... There's so many things I'm like, oh, no, The Wire was doing this like well, five to six years before Breaking Bad even even gave it a shot. And so this is just something I like am happy that I get to participate in this like little history event of like this was the one of the shows that really set the standard for prestige television, as we call it now. Well, yeah, or yeah, was long HBO, form television. HBO Kickstarter, yeah. pretty much like. Every, yeah. Everything changed after The Wire. Between The Sopranos and The Wire, the, yeah, the, the medium of long-form television kind of becoming a, a mainstream thing and, like, another another way to tell stories, right? Mm. Um, no, I love it. I love... I, th- I, I think we've had, like, various conversations about long-form television. This is, like, a movie podcast, but we talk about, you know, some of our favorite shows. And creating narratives over the course of 11 hours is... is uh, you, you can do a lot more. Uh, and you can investigate a lot more, but it, I think that's, that is what, what's notable about identifying the difference between a feature film and long form television. And then the weird Frankenstein things that try to do the in-between and give us, you know, right. Uh, it, it's just some of the things that yeah. make the wire novel are things we take for granted now. Like, of course the cops are not, not good cops. Like, yeah, they have arrest quotas they have to meet. They have like budgets that they're constrained by. Like they are required to answer mental health calls mm-hmm. when they're like, entirely interested in just like arresting humans and like you know there's so many like bizarre things about the justice system that we know now that made the wire seem cool we were like oh i never thought about like all these things that nowadays we're like yeah no shit that happens so it's lost some of that magic and i don't know if i'll ever get that back but it is still pound for pound very profound didn't they do some sort of uh, reboot type of show that was also about the baltimore pd uh we, uh we own this city we, we own the night 
Oh no, yeah, we own Something this city. About... It's the same creator, David Ch David gotcha. Chase. I have to watch Simon. that. Yeah, that's who it is. I'm just interested to see, like, coming from a current, more current timeline, what their take is on it now. You know, yeah. like twenty something years later. Yeah. Post, well, you know. and the creator of the wire was on the negotiating committee for the writer, the writers guild this year. And that guy is, if you ever, if you are on Twitter, follow him because he is the most foul mouthed human I've ever read on Twitter. Dude, Hell yeah. Not man. to okay, we'll we'll save it for our for our dead air talk this week or whatever. But did you guys see? Okay, well, just briefly though, like I'll, I'll steal this from dead air. Did you guys see the video of Ron Perlman? Hell yeah, dude, <laughs> big Ron. Oh my god. Oh yeah, we posted it in the fucking Discord. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, um, dude, that fucking like the the level like it, I think we've talked about this and there's so much commentary and like on Reddit and everything about it. But dude, like if you fuck up enough that Ron Perlman is is like putting your name on his list, like mm, that is saying he's gonna find your address. <laughs> like Ron Perlman, you might want to rethink your Ted Cruz. <laughs> I love this man. Yeah. Oh my god! He's yeah, great. Rod I mean, Perlman got into a Twitter fight with Ted Cruz, and then immediately threatened to like fight. He was like, "Fine, fuck it, let's get rid of the phones, let's fight." I fucking dare you! And Ted Cruz like called them. Ted Cruz said something like, "You don't know how to fight your stunt doubles, do it." And Ron Perlman was like, <laughs> "You want to okay, find out? Find out? <laughs> yeah." I just love, dude. The like, yeah. The this the that it's just such a good like quote to to read from. For those of you who haven't heard, uh, as a result of the writer strike, uh, so. Things are things are going crazy. Screen Actors Guild is on strike now too. Actors are going on strike. It's a whole big thing. It's a um, terrible time to live in LA. <laughs> I bet it is. But in response to a studio executive who essentially said, "We will let this go on until you all lose your houses and are starving," um, Ron Perlman responded online with a video of himself essentially saying, "There's a lot of ways to lose your house, man. You can go, and maybe there's a bunch of people who know where you live and will find you." And like basically directly, like you better think about what you said. Like, yeah. like he's about to right. catch an arson charge, like, bro. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would not be. I'll be terrified. Um, have you seen anything lately? Have you been watching anything? Sorry, I didn't know if you were done, Daniel. No, I'm done. That's You're it. Done. Okay. Um, what else? I did see uh, MI6. Oh, already? Nice. Um, yeah, I had an off day the other day. And it was enjoyable. It was yeah. entertaining. I heard it, like, it was exactly what you think it's going to yeah. be. And that's all I really have to say about it. Yeah. Um, I liked the Flash. I know that's the hot take Ooh. in the, the Discord. Uh, but I'm I also have have it's okay it. to find that enjoyable. Yeah. I've always had a soft spot for the Flash. And right. I did like Ezra. And I just want him to stop being Ezra. Exactly. Um, it's like you can recognize like a good actor. And but yeah. a horrible person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's, there's a lot of those. <laughs> wow, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, the whole like Keaton, Affleck dynamic too is fun. Interesting. Um, it's fun. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Yeah. Um, Have you guys seen Asteroid City yet? No, I had it, dude. No. Actually, so tonight we might be doing that. Um, we'll see. Yeah, because uh, I need we to... got it released in L.A. and New York first before it rolled out to the rest of the nation, and then I got right. to see it for uh, I got a screener of it before, so. It's really good. There, I, I really hot, did, really did enjoy it. There's been some hot takes in the Discord. Yeah, the Discord. some very, yeah, I very mean, spicy takes. If you want to join our Discord server, yeah. email me at scary scary at gmail dot com, and I'll send you a link to it. You can come in and talk with us about movies. We do it all the time. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I hear. So, like, I haven't seen it yet, but it, as a vehicle for Scarlett Johansson, it's apparently super awesome in that that context, right? You know, mm. she delivers a, a great oh, performance. Oh, a fantastic! I mean, it's great yeah. work for everyone. I, I think Jason Schwartzman, especially. Um, this one kind of touches your soul a little bit. I'll say this, and I this is my thesis. This movie is clearly Wes Anderson's pandemic movie. It's literally <laughs> about a government lockdown. Yeah. And it's isolation. and they're like sections yeah. of it like showing how they all lose their minds. Like all right. the this the things that happened in lockdown. It was like clearly he wrote this while he was in lockdown. And there's a long monologue about the justification of like making art when like the health and safety of the world right. is at stake. And about like the value it, of it's art. It's very when, much a soapbox you know, kinda yeah. It was there was a moment where I was kind of like this monologue goes on about two minutes too long and it feels a little more like like Wes should have just like called his best friends and be like am I cool guys and they should have been like yes you're cool <laughs> like that's all that needed to happen but I, it's a great movie I think this the actual movie that there's a it's a whole thing there's a radio play called Asteroid City and the middle right. part of the movie is the actual radio play and that's the good section the bookends are about the making of the radio play and, and all this stuff. And I think that's a little too meta and it gets a little in the weeds, but there's like this beautiful center piece that has everything from like Jeff Goldblum playing an alien to Jason Schwartzman, <laughs> like getting to see Scarlett Johansson with full frontal nudity for a brief second. Like it is shockingly sweet in weird ways that you're like, okay, there's something here. That's how I, I felt about this conversation. I feel like has come up a lot, even though I haven't seen it yet. Um, I've had talked to a lot of people about just the, the Anderson catalog, right? Um, and sort of reflecting on the most recent couple of movies. And like, I, I really did love, I loved French Dispatch, but I think I loved it as, as a package um, with the exception that like some of the, 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 you know, the sequence, the shorts in it, yeah, cause it's a series. Some of the bits. Yeah. It's an anthology. Some of them were, were, were more fun than others. The Benicio del Toro, Leah Sadu bit and French Dispatch is some of my favorite, Wes Anderson content that's ever been made, um, but overall, like, I think my favorites of his are still the the older ones, like the you know Rushmore. I th- I think everybody is generally Rushmore and Moonrise Kingdom. People seem to agree at the top or at the top of their list. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Moonrise so. Kingdom person. Yeah, I'm kind of like I don't know. I for some reason I'm just super weirdly affectionate towards Life Aquatic and uh, Royal Tenenbaums. I think the timing of the release of those two kind of for people our age yeah. specifically like. Yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. Um, you seen anything else lately? Mm, I finally got around to watching Tar with Blanchett. Oh, nice! Yeah, um, that was great. I watched it on the flight back. Um, I actually watched. I did a double feature on that flight: Whiplash followed by Tar. Damn! So just That's an emotional very emotionally shitty musicians. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was great. It set the vibe. Miles. That's a double feature. I'd recommend. It's it's they're both great movies. Like, um, is J.K. Simmons my dad? What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> um. I also rewatched uh, Croupier, the Clive Owen film from, shit, it's probably like 97. Sure. Um, I think it was produced by Mike Hodges. You said Clive um, Owen, and my mind thought Clive Barker, and I was like, what weird horror movie that I've not, of his, like. Oh, it's not a horror movie, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I said, like I said, I, I, Clive I, Owen, I thought Clive Barker, gotcha. and you said Clive Owen. Clive Owen plays um, a Croupier, which is another term for like a blackjack dealer oh, okay. or like a crap stealer. Cause I did not know what that word meant. Crap stealer. Oh. Um, he's an aspiring writer, but he fills his time with working at this casino. And then he kind of gets caught up in the dark, um, underneath of the casino business. Hmm. Um, it's good. I think you'd really like it actually. Yeah. I need to expand outside of 
just the horror movies that I've been watching. I've, I've been rewatching the Insidious franchise uh, to really, because I, yeah, I had never seen the third or fourth one, I realized. And so I was watching those too and kind of getting my whole handle on Wattrick Pilsen and uh, the, uh, the spiraling nature of the further. There's a whole thing going on there. Um, I also watched, I put on the other day after we talked about it, I put on the Deep Blue Sea because I had to just like, <laughs> yeah, I had to indulge. I'm just going to and watch the one monologue. <laughs> yeah. Just the monologue. It's so fucking good. If you've never seen Deep Blue Sea, like watching Samuel L. Jackson get absolutely chomped um, by a big shark is, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's a joy. Um, I I watched Moonfall again recently. I don't. Did we ever I talk about that? Up. Did we ever talk about Moonfall on the podcast? I don't know if we did. I don't think it's, so. I watched it not that long ago too because it popped up and I was like, Travis. HBO has been pushing it. That. Max has been yeah. pushing it recently for some reason. Uh, another Patrick Wilson vehicle. Mm. Take take the HBO off that and just call it Max from here on out because that that service now also has Doctor Pimple Popper. So it's not just a place where you can watch. <laughs> You know, Game of Thrones. It's yeah. also say yes to the dress. Yeah, everything, man. It's a one-stop shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Moonfall is awesome. <laughs> it's a it's a very fun it's movie. Awesome. Um, it's such a turning the moon into a uh, slasher a villain, villain is like <laughs> it's like sneak sneaking up on, up on people. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> How does it? I don't know. Um, it's the dumbest movie ever. I actually also watched. Uh, I rewatched. Um, Sons of the Lambs, and then was trying to figure out when we're going to cover it, and that's going to be a whole like. There's I have I have I have several theses about that movie and how and how much I fucking love it, and we'll get to it soon, eventually. I don't know. At some point, we'll get to it. Um, but before we get to that, uh, I feel like neither of you has any idea what the next movie we're going to watch is because you might have heard in our last dead air session we took a little break and we're back from it we're getting the regular pipeline of recordings down um but that being said uh we are going to start a new mini series that we planned on starting way a long time ago do you guys remember what mini series we were going to do next no it's foreign foreign it's foreign but it's like oh yeah uh, the grudge specifically like k and j horror um, yeah it's kind of what we're getting into uh so the next film that shout we're out doing, Mario. exactly who has so many recommendations and can't wait to come back and talk hopefully if he still likes us um to <laughs> talk about some of these movies uh one in particular that i think we referenced previously covering a different movie it's called the audition um which is a oh. very yeah are you gonna make me watch audition We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so that's God. the next movie we're covering, though. So uh, we'll get Fuck. to it if you guys like. Uh, this is going to be a, a a bit of a dark turn uh, from our Zomcom, but it's worth uh, worth delving into. Just, I this think this thing's a fucking roller coaster, man. Yeah, <laughs> from one of the dead to. <laughs> <laughs> It's my watch list, uh, yeah. baby. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so, yeah. If you guys want to come and listen to us talk next week about the audition, go and watch that. And we're going to do the same thing. Um, it should be fun. We're going to kick off a little mini series, like I said, on foreign film uh, and watch a couple of our favorite uh, foreign films. We say that, but mainly focusing on uh, East Asian foreign films, J-Horror mm-hmm. and K-Horror. Um, so we'll be covering those. Uh, it's going to be another mini series, like our zombie film series. We're only going to do four episodes on it. Uh, and then move on to another third mini series before we start launching into a larger um 
nine ten episode series that will be kind of the remainder of the fall um we have some fun stuff planned for october i say we i mean me i plan some fun stuff for october that you guys have to indulge me in uh and hey we have t-shirts now um so there's gonna be some stuff going up on uh our online presence on social media and everything we've got t-shirts we've got stickers um it's fun uh if you mm-hmm. want to come hang out with us on our discord email me at scary sundayscaries at gmail.com um you can also send me recommendations uh for movies you can tell me things that we missed when we talked about these movies if you want to follow us on social media uh you can follow Follow at Scary Sunday Scaries on Instagram, on Threads, on oh <laughs> Reddit. Uh, yeah, we have a thread not account, on, guys. Not on Twitter. Not on Twitter. We don't do Twitter. We're, um, we're Discord people. If you want to yell at the hosts, do it on Discord. Yeah, mm-hmm. I lo- I'm very receptive to being yelled at. That happens a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm at Trav the guy. At Tiny Mance. And I'm at BG underscore Pappas. And if you guys, like I said, listen, go watch the audition, come hang out with us next week, and then mm-hmm. listen to our midweek Dead Air sessions, too, where you can uh, find me and Daniel just talking about other random film stuff um, and ranting maybe more than we need to, but it's a whole thing. Gee, I wonder what we'll talk about. <laughs> All right. Uh, have a good week, and we're glad to be back. We love you guys. Stay spooky. Bye,